there's the individual choice and then there's the system that really sort of ultimately dictates what kind of choices an individual is able to make. Being able to afford healthy foods is critical, but also being able to find them based on where you live. Appreciate that this access to affordable, nutritious food is really a privilege. And because it's not necessarily accessible for everyone, that is really why the coalition does the work that it does. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Vitalist Spark. I'm your host, John Ford. We'll be back in about a week with another COVID-19 roundtable discussion. But here's the thing. The coronavirus pandemic has absolutely placed a bunch of elements of a healthy community center stage. And not the least of these is affordable, accessible, healthy foods. That's why a few weeks ago, we sat down with two members of the Maricopa County Food System Coalition. Were it not for COVID-19, the coalition was all set to hold a big five-year anniversary event this past March. Today, we're moving part of the purpose of that celebration online by introducing you to the coalition's breadth and depth, illuminating key concepts and issues, and sharing with you the fantastic work the coalition has been doing. And the good news is, all you have to do is listen. And of course, check the links in the show notes to connect with awesome resources. So let's get to it. It's time to talk about the role of food systems in creating healthy communities, especially in the context of COVID-19, and discover what we can do together to improve health and well-being in Arizona. Today, we have two incredible people with us, Pooja Paude, who is a research assistant with the Morrison Institute. Pooja, how are you? I'm doing great. And Gina Lacanina, who is with the Maricopa County Department of Public Health. She is the food systems coordinator there. Gina, how are you? Doing great. How about yourself? Doing great. Thank you. Both of you are co-chairs of the Education and Engagement Work Group with the Maricopa Food System Coalition. Let's talk about Marco. The Maricopa County Food System Coalition is a voluntary community coalition that first started meeting back in 2015. So we just celebrated our five-year anniversary as a coalition. We're really focused on supporting and growing a food system in Maricopa County that is healthy, equitable, sustainable, and thriving. The coalition got together just because we realized that there were a lot of different individuals in the county working on food, nonprofits, government, community-based organizations, and we realized that there was a better need to coordinate all of these different efforts. And so through some support through the Vitalist Health Foundation, the coalition was formed to really connect and leverage these efforts towards common goals. How many members are there and what sectors do they represent and whom do you partner with in order to get this work done? So we have about 50 coalition members in any given year that kind of fluctuates. But we also have lots of other partners outside of the coalition. So, you know, each of the, the network of members has their own sort of network outside of that that feeds out. And the amazing thing about the coalition is just that our members have such diverse experience and come from a variety of backgrounds. So this includes agriculture, health, food access, processing, distribution, food recovery, community, nonprofit, and even government agencies. So we have a really diverse range of experience and representation within the Food System Coalition. There's lots of different partners. Um, this includes my 
colleague Kenneth, we both come from the Maricopa County Department of Public Health. We have Vitalist Health Foundation, a local first Arizona foundation is a member of the coalition. The city of Phoenix is a really strong member. Lots of different individuals who have local business owners, Recycled City, which is a composting local business that a lot of cities and restaurants participate in. We have community colleges. We're really lucky to have participation from Mesa Community College, their sustainable food systems program, as well as Rio Salado. It is a really big variety, and I think that it shows how many different actors are a part of the food system and how many actors have the opportunity to be a part of the food system. And improving the food system is a really great way to improve health overall, because we know that food means a lot. It's not only in the county, but across the entire world as a means of connection, not just as a means of sustenance. It's really an opportunity for us to explore how we can not just improve our food system, but our overall economy and the overall health of the people here. And and I think that's kind of why the coalition is so diverse. And what we can do is a function of the effort that individual people put in. So even if that's coming to one or two meetings a week, or sitting down for like a three-hour session to work on the website, just being a part of the conversation can be really helpful in terms of sort of facilitating action through this like really broad network. So for people who are listening right now who would think to themselves, wait, we don't have a healthy, equitable, sustainable and thriving food system. What do you say to them? I would say that based on a lot of the data that we've looked at, we've just completed this community food assessment. And we learned that the food system really isn't working well for a lot of growers and community members in our county. So for example, we know that in Maricopa County, our food insecurity rates um, exceed state and national averages. We also have really high rates of diet-related disease. We're the fastest growing county in the nation, Maricopa County is, we're the fourth largest and the fastest growing. So our population is growing. However, we've had significant decreases in the amount of land dedicated to to agriculture and to farmland. And so this is a challenge, you know, how are we thinking about looking to our future with our growing population and yet all of this loss of farmland and we have an aging farmer population trying to figure out how we're going to feed this growing population is something that we're considering. And I would say I definitely understand why someone wouldn't necessarily immediately perceive these problems in the food system, especially if in your day-to-day you're able to access that healthy, affordable, nutritious food But when you really think about the food system, you can Google food system and you'll get so many complex diagrams that the food system is not very easy to visualize. So when you go to a restaurant or shop at a grocery store, sit down for a meal, it's really hard to think through the path that food is traveling right from the fields to your fork and all of the factors that influence that path. And that's how it it looks that the food experience on the day-to-day looks different for many, many people. And that's why not everyone might perceive these issues. So let's dig a little bit more into that, just the basic issues so that listeners are really tuned in. If we were to talk about, for example, what's the average distance, the average food product I buy traveling in order to get into my shopping cart? 
Well, I guess it depends. In one of the reports that the coalition commissioned, we know that the county is a really productive grower of many really critical foods, especially like lettuces, melons, etc. However, because we don't necessarily have enough infrastructure related to the actual processing and distribution, maybe a lot of that might get sent elsewhere. And so the melons you're eating might be from California or another state or another country. So it really depends how far your food has traveled. It can really vary. And that's really why when we talk about the food system, we really want to focus not just on distance, but this concept of a community-based food system, which includes the relationships, networks, and the people making it possible. So my long answer was that, and my short answer is it really depends. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. And then yeah. I guess the other thing that I know Greg Peterson and some other folks who are founding members of the coalition would like to point out is like, if there were no trucks rolling into Maricopa County with food on them, within 72 hours, we'd be out of food. Yeah, I remember hearing that's like a pretty striking realization. And I think something given this current pandemic and this situation where access to food and access to healthy food is really being put to all of our forefronts, that's even more, I think, striking at this point in time. And so it's one of the reasons why we're really trying to advocate for as a coalition for increased you know, urban agriculture and for really supporting our community farmers here in the county, because when something happens, you know, if you have a strong community-based food system where your farmers are supported, there are diversified, you know, markets for them to access, there's policies that are supporting preserving existing farmland, then, you know, as a larger community, we can potentially be more resilient and equipped to feed ourselves fresh, healthy food instead of relying on global food systems and other sources. Pooja, you brought it up. A food system is literally that path from fields to fork. Having said that conceptually, how does the Maricopa County Food System Coalition think through all those different steps? And when you did the countywide assessment, what did you find about those different steps in the system? In terms of those steps, and Gina was actually one of the chairs of the work group that came together to put together this huge, I've never actually been done before, a regional community food assessment for the county. The focus kind of ended up being, even though there are so many parts going all the way from the growth to the processing, distribution, purchasing, and then consumption, and then waste recovery of food, it really made sense to initially focus on growers and eaters and the networks that connected the two. So instead of sort of broadly looking at every single piece of the food system, the coalition really decided to focus in on what seemed like the highest priority areas. And that was really what was happening with farmers in the land and water and other important resources available to them, as well as the experiences of community members in Maricopa County in accessing food and their experience around food. So... In terms of when you think about growers, we know that 
In general, we commissioned a report from the University of Arizona Cooperative Extension. We know that agriculture is a very important contributor to our local economy. Within a year, it can contribute about $1.95 billion to the Maricopa County economy, largely through high-value dairy and potatoes and vegetables and melon crops. And we do really well in growing, although when you look at growers, our potential to grow food is small and shrinking because we are losing productive agricultural land to pressures such as urban development. Most farmers actually lease their lands. Not many of them are landowners themselves. And that really limits their ability to endure development pressures. And when you think about the loss of farmland and also the fact that our farmer population is aging and compare that to how much the population in the county is skyrocketing, you start to see sort of a serious problem. We're starting to see the effects of it, and we will probably see them more and more and more in the future, especially as we have to deal with more climate-related issues. We've talked about food insecurity. We've talked about Mm -hmm. farmland loss. We've talked about aging farmer population. The picture doesn't sound all that great. What's the good stuff that you found in the Maricopa County Food Assessment? The good news. So we learned that Maricopa County agriculture is a big contributor to our local economy, which I believe Pooja mentioned before. But, you know, Maricopa County is a leader both in the state and the nation in the value of different crops such as milk, hay, the production of vegetable, potato and different melon crops. We also learned in a piece of the assessment we did, which was the Building Community Food Networks report, we worked with an economist, Ken Meter, and he did stakeholder interviews with different growers and other stakeholders involved in community food trade in the county. And from that, we learned that the farmers that do grow for local markets here are some of the most skilled in the country based on their crop yield, as well as that distributors and other food system leaders really demonstrate a commitment to increasing local food purchasing and distribution. Another piece of the food assessment was the Local Food Policies Best Practices Report. And so we worked with the Planning Center out of Tucson, and they did interviews with 10 different cities and towns in the county to find out what policies do and regulations do they have in place to support food system development. And from that, we learned that not all, but some municipalities do have general plans that are supportive of local food systems and have other approaches such as supporting community gardens and different resident education. One city even has developed a food action plan, and that's the city of Phoenix. That's sort of the first plan like that in the region, but it's an amazing best practice and something that we can then go back and share with the other cities and towns and hopefully encourage some other similar action. All in all, then, in spite of some of the challenges, we have great building blocks in place. Absolutely. And one of the other things that we tried to do in our food assessment summary report, listeners are able to access that on our Maricopa County Food System Coalition website. You can download all of these different reports as well as our full summary report. And what we tried to do was highlight some case illustrations, different examples where things are working really well and exemplify some of the great food system work in the county. 
And so we've tried to do that really to lift up and show, you know, these are awesome things that are happening that you can get involved with, contribute to, learn more about. And so we have case illustrations, about two for each of the main sections of the food assessment. One example of that is Local First Arizona. We worked with them as part of the food assessment to expand their good food finder, which is sort of like an asset map of all of the different places. If you're a grower or a community member eater looking for different local food resources, you can go on this website and search based on your zip code, based on exactly what you're looking for and find all these amazing different resources. And so as part of the food assessment, we worked with them to expand those listings. And then as a result of the food assessment, they went in and revised their website and the Good Food Finder to make it even more usable and connect growers and eaters sort of based on the results of the food assessment. So there's already been some kind of exciting action that's taken place from the different organizations and people that are a part of the coalition that have sort of taken this information back to their own nonprofits, their own organizations, and tried to enact change. Yeah, let's, let's make sure that plug is solid. It is goodfoodfinderaz.com. It's an awesome website. You can literally find local food that can get delivered to you. You can find open farmers markets. You can find all these connections that we just talked about here. And this was really something that Local First had brought to the coalition, but then the coalition really strengthened through the work of the assessment and all the different committees working together, correct? That is correct. Yeah, so pretty darn cool. Goodfoodfinderaz.com, people. You should be there right now. They have a link right now that if you're at home, but you're still interested in getting local food either delivered to your door or are looking for other sources in these times, they have a page there where you can see all of the different local food delivery options that exist. So they're really on the pulse and making sure to update that. Yeah, all across the state, and they're updating it on a rolling basis, actually. So you can go there anytime to sort of keep an eye on what kind of produce might be available to you to get delivered right to your door. So it's really exciting. Pretty useful at this time. Absolutely. So you guys brought it up these times. Let's talk about COVID-19 for just a second. And, but let's talk about it in a bigger context. Let's talk about how our food system is impacted by these kinds of shocks to the system and what it is that the Maricopa Food System Coalition is doing to build long-term resilience for our food system. The coalition and especially the partners that work with and are part of the coalition have done a really good job of exploring the impacts of COVID-19 and thinking about ways and coming up with actions to actually mitigate the negative impacts of COVID-19 on families and local businesses. So Pinnacle Prevention has a really great infographic that goes through some of these specific effects, for example, around distribution. We know that there is a significantly increased demand on food delivery services, as well as consumption. We know that there is a lot of stressors on nutrition assistance programs, an increased lack of access, especially for children that might rely on school lunches for some of their meals, as well as food insecurity that is currently occurring and is going to occur as a result of declining income. So food banks are working sort of in overdrive right now to try and address some of the food insecurity and food banks are still open for business. So there are opportunities to volunteer at your local food bank or pantry 
There's also the Friends of the Farm program that is an initiative to bring fresh locally grown food to Arizona food banks and other types of SNAPs, so the Supplemental Nutrition Matching Programs like Double Up and Fresh Fund, we know that there isn't right now a limit on the amount you can match with these funds through at least April 30th. There's actually a lot of ways in which individuals who might be lower income or a part of vulnerable populations can access food, and a lot of organizations around the county are kind of working to improve those. By the way, just so you all know, we'll put a link in the show notes with the link to that Pinnacle Prevention infographic. We will also put a link in the show notes to Double Up Food Bucks AZ, which is doubleupaz.org. And that is the program Pooja was just referring to, where you can actually double your SNAP benefits by buying fresh local produce. Pooja, I think, mentioned this too, but another good resource is right now, because of the school closures... A lot of the schools are responding by serving these grab-and-go breakfast and lunch meals. So to kids 18 and under, they can come and get a breakfast and lunch meal for free on our public Maricopa County Department of Public Health website on the COVID-19 page. We have a list of all of the school districts in Maricopa County that are providing grab-and-go meals. So you can click on the link and then it'll take you to the district website that has all of that information. You can also contact your local school district. This is a really important resource right now because we know so many families rely on school meals for up to two meals out of the day. So let's back up a little bit. Let's zoom out just a tad. So Gina, you work with Maricopa County Department of Public Health. Vitalist Health Foundation was one of the early funders of this work, and yet we're talking about food. So let's talk about the intersection of food and health, and let's also talk about the layers of this from individuals all the way up through systems and how all this works together and who really gets to make choices about what they eat. The intersections between food and health, I think we know that food connects us all, and it's really critical and vital to our health today, tomorrow, and in the future. But food choice is influenced by, you know, so many different factors, more than just your individual desires. We know that food choice is influenced by your culture, your income, education, and the availability and affordability of healthy foods where we live, learn, work, and play. And I think that's where sort of the system comes into play. Because a lot of what we do, at least my work at the county, is looking at healthy food access. So looking at the food environments and the systems that exist and are they supportive of healthy eating or do they make it more difficult for people to eat a healthy diet? And so we know that eating a nutritious diet filled with lots of fruits and vegetables is really important for preventing chronic disease, improving our health and well-being. It can even lead to better academic and work performance. But many Maricopa County residents aren't getting enough. And I think food insecurity and food access plays a big role in this. Food insecurity, we talk about food, but it's really sort of a trade-off. So when families have to make trade-offs with their resources in order to meet important basic needs. So this could be housing and medicine and purchasing nutritious food. One thing we learned when we looked back at our community health needs assessment, which is something that the county does every five years, there was a question that asked when you're able to pay for essentials such as food, clothing, and housing, we learned that almost 50% of Maricopa County residents reported that they sometimes or never have enough money for these things. Being able to afford healthy foods is critical, but also being able to find them based on where you live. That number seems so high. 
I know. I think part of it might be the wording of the question from the community health needs assessment. It was sometimes or never. So if someone says, oh, well, sometimes I don't have enough money for this, you know, that sort of got lumped together. But it is, I mean, a very stark number. So literally half the county is saying, am I going to pay my utility bill or am I going to buy nice foods? Yes, they sometimes are never able to afford basic essential things that we need to live our lives, food being one of them. And how does that compare to state or national? So this question was specific to our community health needs assessment and sort of the survey that they had developed. But looking at least at food insecurity rates in Maricopa County, they are both higher than the state and national average. So nationally, I believe the food insecurity rate's about 12.5%, and in Maricopa County, it's close to 14. Now, there's the very basic moment of the choice that the eater makes, and then there's the system side. There's the growers, there's the policies, there's the regulations, there's the subsidies for certain foods versus other foods. Obviously, that's all part of the system, and yet it's not something that necessarily, or is it? something necessarily that Maricopa County Food System Coalition can address? I think it definitely is. It's what we would like to address because we know that all of those things, like you said, those policies that are impacting, for example, a lot of the different nutrition assistance programs or the SNAP match programs, like the Double Up Food Bucks program that we mentioned. We have those here today because a lot of advocacy and policy from some nonprofits and states that were advocating to bring those programs to Arizona So I think that the coalition and, you know, all of the strong relationships that we have, being a coalition and this great network of individuals from different organizations, um, from different backgrounds that have just a diversity of experience and expertise that are able to come together and really advocate for stronger food systems in our county, whether it be for funding for those programs or support for our farmers here, or working with, you know, the cities and towns to make sure that the food system is at the forefront of their minds, too, when they're making decisions. So I think that is definitely the role that the Maricopa County Food System Coalition would like to take as the resource, as an advocate, as a convener, and as a connector. Those are sort of the four roles that Marco has identified as the leadership roles that they want to take in this. And this is where the reports fit in, right, Pooja? So we've got a number of reports. We've got mm-hmm. four or five, right? Great reports. We've got best practices guide on food system policy and regulation. We've got building community food networks. We've got community food conversations. We've got economic contribution analysis. We've got diet-related health and food focus. These are all opportunities for people to understand how the system is shaped and what we need to do about changing that system. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you spoke to how there's the individual choice and then there's the system that really sort of ultimately dictates what kind of choices an individual is able to make. And I think these reports do a really good job of showing in a variety of ways how the different parts of the food system ultimately impact an individual's choices and what that also means for their health. We really hope that moving forward, we can really disseminate these reports, disseminate specific information and help organizations, whether they're just working in food or whether they're more broadly working in health and want to understand how food systems play a role in their work, help them understand what maybe are opportunities 
that they can capitalize on and drive action within their organizations. So for example, our policy work group has been working for a long time with the city of Phoenix on their food action plan. A lot of that has city of Phoenix is a really strong partner in the coalition. We've had the opportunity to really share different parts of all of these reports and show kind of how it affects the city and the people in the city and helped leadership think through what sort of specific priorities and policy opportunities there might be to leverage. I would imagine that the city was much more informed as the result of the coalition's work, specifically the Community Food Conversations report. I think so. And I think City of Phoenix, Roseanne Albright, has kind of been really spearheading a lot of the food system related efforts there. And in addition to being aware of, we actually held some community food conversations in the City of Phoenix and South Phoenix. But they've also done a series of community food conversations on their own, very similar to the ones Marco has done to sort of inform their report. So what's nice is not only have we been able to collaborate on collecting information from the report, but they're also using really similar approaches to collect their own data and inform their work. So there's a lot of co-learning that sometimes it's hard to know like what came first, the chicken or the egg? (laughs) Did this come from the coalition (laughs) or did we learn something from the city? But the fact that we're working together so closely, that's what makes it difficult to really know who influenced who. And that's actually great because that means we're working together really closely. But yeah, there was definitely a lot of influence from the report and from the city of Phoenix and vice versa on what we ultimately found and what our priorities are. So we probably should actually put a pin right there and say five years ago before this coalition was created, that relationship didn't exist at all between the work you were doing or might have been doing as independent groups and the work the city was doing, correct? There was definitely not as formal of a connection, I would say. There are sort of these like informal connections, right? So a lot of the folks working as a part of the coalition, the reason they knew to get together is because they'd done work before. They knew they had similar priorities. But now we really have these work groups and other formalized ways to get together and share that knowledge sort of the institutional experience that helps us play this really broad role of resource advocate, convener, and connector that is really a synergy compared to the relationships that might have existed before. So where in the world is all of this headed? We really want to get all of this information that we've been talking about from the food assessment out to the community, get it out to our stakeholders. We have it on our website, so you can go on there and download any of the reports, read about the key findings, and find about opportunities to connect. We also want to share the results with kind of the broader community. So one of the first audiences we've talked about is going back to the different cities and towns that participated in the public policy project and really sharing what we learned and some of the best practices from other cities and towns with them. But we also want to engage with other nonprofits, education institutions, anyone who is interested in food systems development and wants to learn more about this. We want to share these results with them and find out about opportunities to collaborate on some of the the main opportunities from the assessment. I know one of the other things that the policy work group is planning to do is continuing to support the city of Phoenix's food action plan. So that was recently approved and incorporated a lot of the findings from the food assessment. So I know now that it was approved, it's, you know, time to get to work. And so they plan to work together with the city of Phoenix to try to support 
some of the different elements, some of the food system goals related to agricultural land preservation and zoning code ordinances. We also have a new work group that's a part of the coalition that's focused on reducing food loss and food waste. That's pretty exciting. Our food fellow co-chairs that, and she was really passionate about that topic and started up that work group. So if that's something that you're interested in, you can find out more information on our website and connect there. Of course, there are the system level opportunities for action and us wanting to connect as much decision makers and other individuals who can take action on the opportunities that came as a result of the assessment. This isn't necessarily the coalition, but there are a lot of steps consumers can take even now to support the food system. So in addition to reading about the reports and considering what role the food system plays in your life and what impact you might be having on the food system, there's opportunities to support your community farmers. So we know that if every resident in the county spent $5 a week on food from a regional farm, local farmers would generate another $1.1 billion in sales a year. And so you can go to Good Food Finder, and explore what's around you, learn more about the farmers um, in your community. You can also get involved with the coalition, stay connected with other food systems networks. We're really trying to focus on helping organizations understand what has come out of the assessment can maybe influence what they're doing moving forward. And I just got to say, for folks who haven't seen these reports, these are not your dry, like, snooze reports. These are (laughs) reports that have scatter plots that have direct community feedback that show the fabric of the food system and the opportunities for strengthening that fabric. And the work that you guys have done has been absolutely tremendous, starting basically from scratch, creating a coalition from scratch, to five years later producing this kind of analysis, to providing these kinds of inputs for food action plans, for cities and towns to truly improve their food systems the, the food systems that we rely on that we don't even think about most of the time, your work has been tremendous. I know you're just two small parts of this coalition, <laughs> but the work that you're doing is just absolutely fantastic. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. It's time to play a game called Top 3. I'm going to ask you <laughs> both okay. what the top three things are that you want our listeners to either learn, explore, or do as a result of this podcast. Gina, you're first. I would love the listeners to go to our website and to check out our full food assessment summary report. There's lots of other different reports, but the summary report is, I think, a great read and visually is very nice. And I'd love for people to learn more about that. Explore. I'd love for people to go check out Good Food Finder since they're such a great partner in the coalition and in these efforts. So go to their website, learn about your different community farmers. And do, I would say, is to to support your community farmers. If you are able to spend $5 on food from community farms, Pooja mentioned that if every resident in the county spent $5 on food from their community farmers, we would make you know significant impacts. We'd really be able to help grow our food system here. Actually, if you're going to spend five, why don't you just spend 15, okay? Just hedge, hedge our bets, <laughs> all right? Everybody spend 15, not five. Pooja, you're up. Top three, learn, explore, do. I might have to cheat 
and borrow some of Gina's, but definitely in terms of learning, go to the website. And if you don't want to read the entire food assessment, please just read the two pages that are the executive summary. So it talks about why we did the assessment, what the different parts of the assessment are, and then the strengths, weaknesses, threats, and opportunities that really came out of it. In terms of exploring, I think it's really important as an individual or as an organization to think about what might be your organization's missions and your priorities, and how can that maybe align with some of the opportunities that have come out of the assessment. We did so much work as a coalition to really say, like, well, what are the opportunities that are really high priority for us or that might be the low-hanging fruit? So really explore what that might actually mean for your organization's work. To do, besides buying local, I think just maybe just take some time when you're even eating something to think about where it came from, appreciate the work that went into it, and also appreciate that this access to affordable, nutritious food is really a privilege. And because it's not necessarily accessible for everyone, that is really why the coalition does the work that it does. And that's really what keeps people going remembering that and wanting to improve quality of life for people through food system improvements. Thank you, Pooja. And thank you, Gina. Is it too much to say that you've given us an incredible amount of food for thought? Well, in spite of bad puns, we deeply appreciate your time, your perspectives, and the entire coalition's prodigious work over the past five years. Our advice to you, dear listeners, don't let your exploration of this topic end here. Check the show notes for a bountiful harvest of links to learn more. Check out marcofoodcoalition.org for many of these same links. But most importantly, do everything you can to support your local food system. On that note, your best option is to visit goodfoodfinderaz.com. It's a statewide resource for local foods you can buy now. It's true that just $5 from each Arizonan would contribute hugely to sustaining and growing our local food system. But don't be shy. Spend at least $15 today, and then make it a habit to keep on purchasing locally produced food. Our local economy, your taste buds, your stomach, and your health and well-being will all be tremendously rewarded. To recap, learn more at marcofoodcoalition.org. And act now using goodfoodfinderaz.com. Do it today. That's it for this episode. The takeaways from this dialogue belong at the family dinner table as much as they do in your place of business, in city and town halls, and the domains of healthcare and public health. So please, share this episode far and wide. Subscribe to the Vitalist Spark podcast to get notified as soon as new episodes are released. And we've got great news on that front. The Vitalist Spark is now available on Spotify. And you can subscribe to be notified of new episodes there, too. In the world of podcasts, you can give us your feedback on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Overdrive, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also give us your input the old-fashioned way. Your corrections, complaints, and compliments are all welcomed by emailing us at feedback at vitalisthealth.org. Finally, remember this. With great responsibility comes great power. We'll see you back on the road to well-being soon.